Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Diarrhea! It's time to wake up. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in with you. 95-7 The Game. Got a packed show for you today. And I want to talk about Brian Flores and the lawsuit that he's filing against the NFL, or that he has filed against the NFL, because we had plenty of people to speak about it on the station yesterday. I want to get to some of that sound. We do have the doghouse coming up at 515 Because we had a lot going on in the world of sports other than what's happening with Brian Flores. And we got some people to put in the doghouse. So that's coming up at 5.15. But real quick, there there are a couple of things in basketball that happened last night that I just want to mention. Uh, First off, the Kings at home beating Brooklyn 112-101. The Kings who have the same record as the San Antonio Spurs uh, going into that game yesterday. As a matter of fact, they had one more loss uh, than the Spurs did. They were one game back of the Spurs in the Western Conference. And James Harden with the stat line. I mean, we we talked so much about Steph and his shooting struggles and the quote-unquote slump that he was in, but he never put up a stat line like James Harden did last night. 37 minutes on the floor. 2 of 11 overall from the field. 0 for 5 from 3. No free throw attempts. Zero free throw attempts. Four points. And he was a minus 21 on the floor. A minus 21. Oh yeah, and he turned the ball over six times. So, there's that. And also, the Grizzlies... They got the win 120 to 108 over the New York Knicks. John Morant has turned into the most exciting player in basketball. Like, that's what he's turned into. Steph is right up there, but obviously Steph is there. But Jaw has been playing at such a consistent level, him and Trey Young both. But the way that John Morant does it, he leads the league in average points in the paint, and he's a point guard. Now, right now, the Grizzlies, they're third in the Western Conference, and when looking at it, Nikola Jokic has been awesome this season. I mean, he's won another player of the month, but when I'm really looking at all these teams, the Suns, they're in first, 41-9. and They're the team to pay attention to within the Western Conference, but... Man, don't sleep on the Grizzlies, who are currently third right now. They're four games behind the Warriors. The Warriors are 39-13, and the Grizzlies are 36-18. and So they got a little ways to climb if they want to overtake the Warriors in the Western Conference standings. But man, if I'm getting a seven-game series, I do want it against the Suns. 
I do, because that's going to be such a fun matchup. We already saw a majority of them this season prior to Christmas Day and before that, but we are going to be getting a uh, another matchup for the Suns in March. But we'll be seeing the Grizzlies soon. And I want to see a seven-game series between these guys. I do, if it's even possible to see the Grizzlies and the Warriors play each other in the playoffs, because, man, Ja Morant is a lot of fun to watch. All right. Now, I want to talk about Brian Flores and his lawsuit. And to do that, let's set it up. He was on Get Up yesterday. Let's go through this sound here. Um, Shout out to Mike Greenberg on Get Up, because what Brian Flores is doing is incredibly brave. It is risking his livelihood within the NFL. Um, you're not, we're not sure if he's ever going to get another head coaching job again. It may seem very unfair, but I believe that he absolutely deserves it considering what he's done with the Dolphins organization. But we do know how the NFL operates and what has happened to guys who have spoken out against the NFL and the racial uh, discrimination uh, that the NFL that's instituted within the NFL. Guys who have spoken out about that eventually have just been blackballed from the league. So it's probably going to happen with Brian Flores. So what he's doing, he understands that it's a possibility that he loses uh, his job for his career. Now, Mike Greenberg, when he was on Get Up, you could he could tell that Flores, you know, I mean, and rightfully so, was a little nervous to go and speak about these things on national television, on ESPN, on CBS. But Mike Greenberg was making sure to ask follow-ups so that he could get Brian Flores to say what he really wants to say. Because sometimes in these interviews, I do this on the radio, I mean, if you don't have it written down in front of you, sometimes you might forget some of the details that you really want to speak about whenever... You're doing something like that. So shout out to Mike Greenberg for keeping the interview going and for uh, letting Brian Flores get the message out that he wants to get. But here's what Brian Flores had to say when he was asked why he filed the lawsuit. Why did you feel you needed to do this? Because we need change. That was that was that was the number one reason. Um, And I know there's there's a sacrifice. There's risk to that. But um, at the end of the day, um, we need change. We need change. Um, I, I know many very capable um, black coaches, um, some of my staff who I know um, if given an opportunity or when given an opportunity are going to go and do a great job on their interview. Um, and I would just hate for that uh, to, be a, to be a waste. Uh, and I think, you know, we need to change the hearts and minds of, of the people making those decisions. That's why we're that's why, you know, we filed the lawsuit. Who are those people? Who specifically do you think needs the change? Uh, the owners uh, of the NFL. The NFL certainly does need the change, and change is a noble cause that Brian Flores is fighting for. And the difference is, and this is the thing where I, why I'm looking at this a little different to what Colin Kaepernick was doing, was because the conversation that has stemmed from what Brian Flores is alleging here, the conversation is purely about race, racial discrimination within the NFL. It's not about something completely different because what Colin Kaepernick was doing, instead of actually talking about what he was trying to fight for, which was not just racial injustices within the NFL, but within the United States. And when he was kneeling for the flag, it turned into a whole conversation about what the flag means, whether we should still do the national anthem. And it turns into a whole other conversation. And it's and it's just, you know, the, the socks that Colin Kaepernick was wearing, all of it, it turned into something completely different. But what I'm seeing from this uh, as of right now is we are talking about the issues within the actual thing that Brian Flores is trying to fight for here. And I commend him for it, for everything that he's doing, for putting his career on the line. Like, But when I saw the Stephen Ross stuff, when I saw that the Dolphins owner had bribed him $100,000 for each loss that he would have in 2019 so that you can get that number one overall pick. And that number one overall pick was going to be uh, Joe Burrow. So really, Stephen Ross was offering him $100,000 per loss just so he can go out and draft him. 
But guys like Flores, and I talked about this yesterday with John Lynch, whether he'd go back to TV. I believe that I understand all the hard work that's involved within uh, within the front office, within coaching, all of that. I understand it's a everyday type of job, but it's a, it, it coaching when you get involved with that within the front office. It's because you have a love of the game, almost an addiction to the game. You can't stay away from it. Even if you didn't become the athlete you maybe wanted to be. Now, John Lynch did. Uh, Brian Flores became a very successful coach with the Dolphins. But this dude loves football. And when I heard that, in this cut right here, this is, this, is what, this is what got me yesterday. But when Brian Flores on Get Up had this to say just about Stephen, uh, Stephen Ross's bribe and his upbringing and just how disrespectful it is on so many levels. Here's what Brian Flores said on Get Up. You know, that was uh, a conversation about not doing as much as we needed to do to win football games. You know, take a flight, go on vacation. I'll give you $100,000 per loss. Like Those are just, the, you know, exact words. Um, and it's not something, look, I deal in truth. Um, and I've, I say that to the players as well. I'm going to give you, you know, Good news, bad news, but it's going to be the truth. It's going to be honest. Um, and in that instance, you know, look, I, I, I came from – this game has done a lot for me, mm-hmm. uh, a lot for me personally and my family. Um, and I've said this, you know, on other you know, shows, but my parents are immigrants. I'm first generation. I grew up with, you know, you know in a tough neighborhood here in, in, in Brooklyn, Brownsville, where there's crime and poverty and, you know, violence. Um, and it was hard to – to make it out of there. And the game of football is a reason why, or a big reason why, along with a lot of the great people that mentors I've had in my life, um, why I was able to have the success that I've had. So to disrespect the game that way um, was, was, was something that, you know, trust was lost and there were certainly some, some strained relationships. And ultimately I think that was to my demise in, in Miami. And for Brian Flores, to say that, to talk about his upbringing, how football was a part of how he was able to just survive through his upbringing and also a way for him to grow up and you know get into a profession that he's always wanted to get into and for him to get to the top there, to be a head coach of an NFL team and for that bribe to happen. And not only that... But with that, you're, what, you go 0-16, because we had 16 games, you go 0-16, you're making $1.6 million. But what else is on the line? Well, your win-loss record as a head coach. And Steven Ross had no issue doing that with a black head coach. And that's what makes this whole thing just... So uncomfortable. Now, we'll get way more into uh, the class action, the actual lawsuit, because Amy Dash, who's a legal correspondent for CBS Sports Radio, uh, she was on with Willard and Dibbs yesterday, as well as Dr. Harry Edwards. So I do want to get into some sound from that. But it is a class action lawsuit. And class action, meaning that it has to be a group of people, not just one. And there's plenty more uh, to, to, to come with this, because this is going to be a, a very long, very dry out process, but we've already heard Hugh Jackson accusing the Browns of doing the same thing back in the 2016-2017 season uh, with Jimmy Haslam. They were bribing him to lose games. I mean, there's much more that's going to come out with this, and that's my that's my biggest question, and that's really what I'm waiting on is to hear other stories that are similar to this one. And I haven't even mentioned the Bill Belichick text yet, or that interview with John Elway over in Denver as he is filing the lawsuit against those three teams, the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. So we'll get into that uh, later on in the show. But coming up next, it is the Doghouse. And at 888-957-9570, that's the Comcast Business text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. We'll get to all that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning. Now, I want to continue to talk about Brian Flores here, but we couldn't do this segment yesterday, so I wanted to bring it to the air today because tomorrow I have a little bit more to talk about. So, wanted to do the doghouse today. It is 520. Normally, I do this on Wednesdays, but we had to do this today. Now, as you know, if you don't know what the doghouse is, you can feel free to weigh in at the Comcast Business text line at 888-957-9570 or at the phone number. But who in your who is in your doghouse for this week? Now we heard all season, not even all season, throughout Kyle Shanahan's time with the Niners. I've always heard the term doghouse every year. Every year I'm hearing the term doghouse. I'm like what? What is the doghouse? <laughs> that I had someone call in one time and say that. Well, it's like, you know, I mean, you're normally in the doghouse when you're, you know, with your girlfriend or your wife or, I mean, even possibly your husband or your boyfriend. And they put you in the doghouse because you've been bad. <laughs> so, 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 so you're gone. Well, that's what I'm doing. We have our own doghouse. Let's get to it. This is who was in my doghouse for the world of sports in the past week. Number one. Whoever came up with the name Commanders for the Washington football team. Personally, I thought they were fine. I thought they were just fine as the Washington football team. I kind of liked it. It was different from everybody else. And, you know, being a Premier League fan, I mean, you you, you hear so many of these team names that are uh, just the names of the cities in which they play, the cities in which they originated, you know? Chelsea, guess where they play? Chelsea. Tottenham, guess where they play? Tottenham. West Ham, guess where they play? Right in the middle of London. (laughs) But look, just call it the Washington football team. No need to call it the Washington Commanders. It's terrible. The Washington Commanders, it it sounds like, I'm pretty sure it is, it sounds like a team name that's out of the video game series, the Backyard video game series. You know, like, I mean, Backyard Baseball, Backyard Football, all of them, you know, like Pablo Sanchez and Keisha Phillips were all-time great baseball players. Backyard Hall of Famers, in my opinion. But that's where the commander's name sounds like it's from. Next up, next, you know what? Next time there's a uh, another team that's looking to change their name... I mean, we can't really do it with Cleveland anymore over in baseball. The next time a team wants to change their name, just change it to the Watermelon Heads, like it was in like it was in backyard baseball. Turn it into the Groundhogs. I believe the Groundhogs was the name in backyard baseball. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing, Washington Football Team? Did it like that? Number two. 
It has to be Kyle Shanahan. We're already getting it at 888-957-9570 from the 707. Kyle Shanahan is in the doghouse and can't get out until he puts trust into his damn quarterback and throw the ball down the damn field. Maybe get a pass interference call every once in a while. Damn it. Look, 707, I'm with you, except for me, it is that sequence. The third and two. The second and one. Everything around that game with Kyle Shanahan. It's just the clock management toward the toward the end of the first half. It was very odd. And now we're getting to the point where, you know, you're just wondering, what does he do in the fourth quarter? What? Why are his issues within the fourth quarter? Always. And the fact that there wasn't any sort of... I mean, I was looking back on that press conference and looking back on what I've said for the past couple of days about that game. I mean... He said that there was no thought about going for it on fourth down. There had to have been a thought. There had to have been some sort of thought to go for it at that point. When you're fourth and maybe not two, but two and a half to go. Come on, Kyle Shanahan. You're in the doghouse for this week. Number three, it's Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs had just about the most perfect first half that you can hope for. In a playoff game, three touchdowns, three possessions, you got a 21 to 3 lead. But in the second half, if you watch over that game, you got to think there is something there at halftime where they just said, you know what, we got this one. We got this in the bag. There's no doubt. We're good. So they go into that second half, and Patrick Mahomes, granted, You know, the Bengals made a good adjustment. The Bengals, they just started rushing three guys and trying to get to the quarterback that way. And they did uh, with Trey Hendrickson, who I was dead wrong about, by the way. He got a big contract with the Bengals in the offseason. I did not think that that one was going to pan out. I thought it was an overpay. But Trey Hendrickson, not an overpay, clearly. But in the second half, the Chiefs didn't adjust to what the Bengals tried to do. And Patrick Mahomes couldn't adjust. And he seemed flustered. And then he threw that inter- he threw a couple of interceptions, that one in the second half, and then that one in overtime that led the Bengals to the win. So Patrick Mahomes is in my doghouse for this week. And then, of course, in football, I wanted to bring up the refs from that game for the Niners and the Rams. Now, I did not want to blame the game on that on the refs. Clearly no blame there. But Rewatching that game, the inconsistency of those flags that were being thrown is very odd. There could have been more in that game. There could have been more. And it felt like in one half of the game, they were letting the kids play. But also, within the other half, like, they were just calling these soft calls. That just didn't make sense. I mean, you know, there was no holding calls in the game. There's got to be at least one. When you got pass rushers as good as Nick Bosa on one side and Aaron Donald and Von Miller on the other, I mean, they went into it probably saying, you know what, we're just going to let these guys in the trenches do their thing. Let's focus on something else. But there was just no consistency to it. There was no consistency to it. From the 707, Tom Brady forgetting the last word and stealing Big Ben's retirement spotlight. Oh, man. Wait, what, 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 what? Wait, hang on. The 925 here. I'm trying to read what the 925 is saying. This from a guy who... What? what? In the... I, 925, I can't read your text. I don't know what you're, what you're talking about. Hang on. From the 925. He's making fun of this doghouse segment. This from a guy who plugs his ears and looks away when the fire truck goes by with the sirens on. Spell check that, Professor. Oh, 925 from yesterday. Oh, 925, you're mad about that? That was messed up. I'm sorry. You had me heated in the morning. I apologize. You know what? 925, seriously, I'll put out a, an apology right now. I don't hear, I don't know your name because you didn't put your name on the text, but I apologize. I apologize. For the 574, nice guy, good morning. I'm a diehard Bengals fan, and I'm really hoping you're rooting for the Bengals on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, of course. Is there anyone who is not rooting for the Bengals on Sunday besides Rams fans, of which there aren't that many? 
as we've seen in SoFi Stadium. But look, I got one more to get to the doghouse, and I do want to talk a little bit about the 49ers and just the end of their season real quick. But one more in the doghouse. But yesterday on ESPN, we somehow got another article about how Barry Bonds should not have been in the Hall of Fame. And it was from Doug Glanville on ESPN. And all of these reasons that he stated, it's just it just goes to show that there was a problem uh, within the voting. And he uses some certain examples, but it's just... It just doesn't feel right leaving the greatest player of all time out of your Hall of Fame. It just doesn't. And I don't know, you can write as many words as you want about that. But all you need from Barry Bonds' career are the statistics, what he did, at what age he did it, even prior to the steroid allegations, even with his time with the Pirates. I don't know. I don't know. I just... I mean, I disagreed with the article, didn't really like the article. And here's the thing. He's out of the Hall of Fame now. In baseball, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to, maybe he's just writing something because baseball has nothing going for it right now. All we're seeing are a bunch of top 25 lists of the best prospects. I mean, it's just, you know, I I, I mean, come on. I, I don't, there's nothing to write about right now. You're really going to write about Barry Bonds not making it to the Hall of Fame? Like, that conversation is dead and gone. Maybe it'll pop back up if there's, you know, another sort of award that Barry Bonds can get within the Hall of Fame. But as far as just the normal eligibility for the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds isn't in. That's it. That's it. From the Comcast Business Text Line. Issues with the refs? Raider fans on line one. Phantom whistle. That's from David and San Leandro from the 707. It sounds like an XFL team. It really does. The Washington Commanders? I mean, you got to be kidding me. From the 574, everyone I know who are Lions fans are rooting for Matt Stafford. Um, that's the guy who I'm rooting for. Ultimately, I want the Bengals to win because what a cool story. And I don't buy into any of this uh, nonsense about how the Rams and the Bengals, it's bad for the NFL that they're the teams in the Super Bowl. I mean, if you look at these two teams... Look at the way that they were built. It's kind of similar to the Rams and the 49ers. The Rams did it in a way that no other teams do it. You just trade away a bunch of your picks, your mortgage, all of your future so that you can win now. Doesn't happen very often within the NFL. Whereas the Bengals are a young, up-and-coming team. They got a guy in Joe Burrow who no one really knew uh, what he could do after his incredibly gruesome injury. And the offensive line wasn't, you know, it was still suspect. It hadn't improved much based on their additions. Um, But man, I got to tell you, that Matt Stafford story, I think it's damn cool. Um, Especially for, for Lions fans. Like, that narrative surrounding Matthew Stafford, which was, he's not a winning quarterback. He's not a winning quarterback. That's all I heard. Hell, when we were talking about Stafford to the 49ers... I was in favor of it if they could make it work just because Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. And that's what, I, what's, that's what a lot of people originally thought. But just like kind of with Jimmy Garoppolo, when you started criticizing him, everyone would throw the win-loss record in your face. And I'm looking at that situation, and I understand he had Calvin Johnson, who is one of the best wide receivers to ever play this game. But you can make the argument that both Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson's careers were both ruined by the Lions. Luckily, Matthew Stafford was able to savor it and go to this Rams team. It's kind of a cool story. I do want them to win just for uh, for Matthew Stafford, but the way that they've built that team... Just how used, just just the conventional way to do it. I'm so used to that, and I'm just like, well, you traded away all your picks, and now you're gonna win now. All right, fine. But then there's the Bengals on the other side, and seeing the Bengals win, seeing the Bengals beat the Rams, that'd be pretty cool. And to do it in SoFi Stadium, and, and but speaking on the 49ers, I did have a quick thought on it because early in the season when Trey Lance was dra- when Trey Lance was uh drafted and they traded up for him one of the questions that I asked on the Comcast business text line at 888-957-9570 was what does the ideal season look like for you and a lot of people said you know what you start Jimmy G you let Trey Lance sit for a year maybe you make it to the playoffs 
possibly even an NFC championship, and then the Super Bowl will talk. That was the consensus answer among everybody. I mean, some people were just saying, you know what, Trey Lance starts for the entire year. You lose some games with him, you win some games with him, you go through the ups and downs, you get him a year of development. Some people had those texts, but most people were saying start Jimmy G, possibly make it to the playoffs, possibly to the NFC Championship, and then get to the Super Bowl. And I understand it hurts. It hurts getting to the NFC Championship and then losing. Actually, I don't understand that because I'm a Raider fan and haven't seen uh, my favorite team win ever uh, in my life. Except for, well, you know, except for when I was eight years old. But this season went, I think, how fans were expecting. And now Garoppolo, I don't think he lost any trade value. Even in these past two games, the fact that he helped get his team to uh, to the playoffs, a lot of teams are going to be looking for a quarterback. What they're going to pay, I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking, I mean, I was saying a third rounder initially, but I'm thinking it's even as close to a second rounder because teams are just willing to give up that much um, for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who could bring a lot of uh, faces to your games, uh, a lot of people who just want to watch the TV just to watch Jimmy Garoppolo. They have that, he has that, uh, he has that effect. And from the 707, unless they get something back for Jimmy this season was pointless. Which could be true, but it's looking more and more like they are going to get something back. Very curious to see what that is, and we'll react to it when it happens. But it's a damn good season for you if you're a 49er fan, I think. There's a, I mean, the pressure on Trey Lance is on. Like, if he starts losing some games, it's going to get pretty ugly next season. Because you're going to get into a... The conversation this year was obviously, you need to bring in Trey. Right When Jimmy was was not playing as well, when he got hurt and you saw Trey Lance play in his first game, you're thinking, all right, let's get Trey Lance here. Let's let's get him started. Let's get this thing rolling. Let's turn this into a Tarod Taylor, Justin Herbert situation where, you know, maybe they didn't start him uh, when they were planning to, but with the circumstances, well, we're going to give him that starting job. That was the conversation all throughout this year. Next year, it's going to be the patience, right? You're going to get some sector of fans, half the fan base. Well, I I don't know what the percentage of the fan base is going to be. Maybe half is a little too strong, but you're going to have some percentage of the fan base who are saying, man, I don't know if, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made the right decision there. I don't know if this was the right call. And you're going to have the other percentage of the fan base, which I do think will be a majority, but a lot of people saying you got to be patient with them. You got to be patient with them. It's still his first year starting for the entire year. A lot of pressure on him. A lot of pressure on him. But that's just a fan reaction. What actually happens on the field, it's the NFL. You have pressure. Everyone has pressure on them. Everyone has pressure on them. All right. 888-957-9570 is the Comcast business text line if you want to weigh in. Now, going to get back to Brian Flores here because Amy Dash, legal analyst for CBS Sports Radio, she was on Willard and Dibs yesterday. And she talked about the specifics when it comes to this lawsuit. And I think these specifics are something that uh, we need to uh, to learn about so that we can fully understand uh, what's going on with Brian Flores and his lawsuit against the NFL. So we'll play that interview for you next, and then we'll talk more about Brian Flores and this, this incredibly strong act of bravery uh, that he is that he's pulling right now because this thing what he's doing it risks his career and you can't help but commend a guy for doing what he's doing so we'll get to that next Stephen Langford done on the pregame show 95.7 the game now back to the pregame show on 95.7 the game here's Stephen Langford Good morning, everybody. As you heard, the big voice guy, Stephen Langford, in with you up until 6 o'clock, and then the morning roast will take you until 9. And that's how you get your morning started. Now, before we get to Amy Dash, who was on with Willard and Dibs yesterday, I wanted to replay that interview for you because, look, I'm no lawyer. I'm no legal analyst. I can't give you the ins and outs of this entire Brian Flores lawsuit, but she did. She was on Willard and Dibs yesterday. And it was a good interview, and it gave us a lot of insight, so you can learn something there. But before we do get to that, let's get to Mike in Pleasant Hill, who wants to weigh in on this Barry Bonds topic. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Good. 
good. I, no, I just wanted to touch base. So Barnes and Clemens not being in the Hall of Fame is uh, it's a travesty. You know, when they were both of them were at University of Texas, you know, Arizona State, they were the best players. They're best players at all their teams, Pittsburgh, Boston, New York. It's just it's a travesty that these that these voters have taken that away from the best players to ever play the game. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate the phone call, Mike. And I mean I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just the crappy part is it feels like just something we have to accept. It's just it's just something we have to accept, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get over it. And really, until something happens, until a change is made, I, it's it's really it really is tough to to take uh, baseball's Hall of Fame seriously when some of your best players aren't enshrined. When there's just so much hypocrisy involved there it's just it's just too much it's just too much but let's get to the nfl let's transition to the nfl because brian flores has the lawsuit against the nfl and what he wants is to cause change and it's a noble cause it's one that i think we can uh, all get behind here and what's next for me is who else is going to come out with stories here? You already got Hugh Jackson saying the Browns incentivized him to lose games uh, back in 2016, 2017. So I wonder who else is going to come out. But there are a lot of legalities that are involved with it. So Willard and Dibbs had on Odyssey legal analyst Amy Dash to give us some more insight. And I want to play the interview for you. Normally I'd play some uh, some interview cuts, but I think I, wa- I wanted to give you the full interview just so you could hear some of the context uh, to these answers. So here was Amy Dash on with Willard and Dibbs yesterday talking about Brian Flores. Uh, and wondering how the overall Brian Flores lawsuit, uh, now that we've had an opportunity to read through it a little bit, how did it grab you in terms of, uh, I don't want to say legitimacy, but sort of who who sits in the power chair here? Well, I think the power chair could potentially be occupied by many, many people who are similarly situated to Brian Flores, who are former coaches or even present coaches who feel that, or even general managers or uh, you know quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, et cetera, who feel that they either haven't gotten a fair shot and an opportunity or have been stripped of that opportunity unfairly. So I think really for this case, the power is in the numbers. You know, with more people comes more evidence. So that's something the NFL should be concerned about. And you talk about more evidence, and it seems like we've known for years and years that the Rooney Rule is largely a sham, and then we see the text message from Bill Belichick referring to the wrong Brian, telling Brian Flores basically, good job, you got the gig. Oops, I meant to send that to Brian Dable. How much does that text message thread play into the veracity of this suit? I don't know for sure if this is a fact, but it seems to me that, you know, frustration was potentially building for a while. And that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back, meaning now he had evidence in the form of text messages that a decision had been made. And then he had to still go through that process. And the outcome was what Bill Belichick said it would be because Brian Dable was hired as the head coach. So now he has something concrete to point to to say, this isn't just my imagination. I'm not over-exaggerating the situation. I can actually prove to you that I was put through this process unnecessarily, and I believe it's because of my race. Otherwise, why wouldn't they have canceled with me? If they didn't have to meet some sort of a quota in the interview process, and they knew they had their man, why not cancel? Now, of course, on the flip side of that, the Giants could come out and say, well, yeah, we had our favorite, but we hadn't made our decision yet. And that, and, and so we wanted to interview Brian and see what he was like and if he could blow us away and, and if we had other thoughts about reconsidering after interviewing him. But that will all come down to the evidence of what were the internal text messages and the emails that are potentially discoverable that were going on during that interview process in the Giants organization. It could potentially shed light on whether there was any legitimacy to Brian Flores' interview and whether they had, in fact, decided on Brian Dable or not. Yeah, that was one of my questions, Amy, and I, maybe in a more general sense, not just the NFL. What, what are the legalities involved for a, a, a hiring corporation 
Are they allowed to (laughs) have their favorites, have their mind mostly made up before they've gone through an entire interview process? Oh, sure, they can, but it can't be on the basis of race, religion, sex. You know, there are a gender, there are limitations because obviously discrimination is not allowed. So you can't um, hire somebody who's less qualified than someone else just based purely on the fact that they're white and the other person is black. Um, or, you know, you could insert any type of a, any type of a, a race into that equation. So that's what he's alleging. And, of course, there is a leap there, like I just said, with the text messages to say this wasn't circumstantial. It wasn't just that, that Dable was the favorite for legitimate reasons. He's alleging it was because he's black. That's why he wasn't seriously considered for the position. That's why he was given the runaround and sort of put through the sham process that he alleges. So either he has to prove that or he has to surround himself with more coaches, more GMs that have had similar experiences. And I think the fact that the Rooney Rule exists actually helps because it it creates a measurable uh, statistic where they can say, okay, this is how many people – We've interviewed under the Rooney Rule. These are how many people actually got the job. And then you can sort of deduce, well, like, is the Rooney Rule actually working? Or are they just doing it to do it? And it's not actually leading to the hiring and retention of minorities, which is the purpose of it. So I think it all comes down to the evidence of of not only the statistical analysis of looking at the numbers of uh, the number of minorities put in these types of important management and coaching positions, but also looking at the evidence that other coaches can bring to the table to show that perhaps something's going on here that isn't completely honest and authentic. What's the mechanics, or what are the mechanics, rather, of this lawsuit? Who hears it? Where does it go? What's the timeline for any sort of a resolution? What is it like when a coach like this sues an entire league? Yeah, well, I mean, the mechanics are kind of boring, to be, to be honest. <laughs> I try to skip the mechanics, but I can tell you, you know, one of the mechanics, for example, is he wants a class action certified, so they would need probably at least 20 people, maybe more. There would have to be evidence that comes along. You know, not anyone can just join the suit. They have to have a claim that's similar to his and, and some sort of a substantial basis for it. So first you have to get it certified. Um, there are... State law and federal claims, they're brought under civil rights acts and state laws at the local level. And uh, one of them is administrative, so the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission would examine that one. And then there's the whole um, the whole aspect of a request for compensatory damages, so money for lost earnings, let's say, as well as injunctive relief from a judge in a court of law to actually impose you know, impose um, orders on the NFL that would force change into their hiring and retention structure. So some of the things that were mentioned uh, that Flores would like to see are, you know, more black individuals involved in the hiring decisions, reasons for why someone was hired, somebody wasn't hired, criteria for which to decide whether to hire somebody, something objective that you have to sort of look at, you know, and check off the box. Um, committees to try to find more black investors and owners, committees to train players to be prepared after they play in the league to take on more coaching roles. So I think, you know, there's a lot going on there, but to answer your question timeline-wise, if you're going to first try to certify a class, do discovery, um, bring all these different legal claims. Of course, the NFL is going to try to dismiss the suit. Um, and then, you know, you could this could go on for years, is the long story short. Odyssey legal insider Amy Dash is with us. Amy, um, I, I always have this perception whenever the NFL is in a, a legal situation that they'll be fine because they're unbeatable in court. Is, is, is that fair or is that too simplistic? I think it's too simplistic, no offense, because they've actually had to pay a lot of money in most of these cases, especially like we saw most recently with the concussion settlement. That was a huge amount of money they had to dole out to that class. Um, and then you have the St. Louis Rams relocation, you know, uh, they were behind that, you know, making sure that that was going to settle because it just became too damaging and explosive. I don't know how much of it they pay personally, the league, but um, they're, these can be very, very expensive, especially when you're talking about claims made by potentially dozens of people dating back to who knows how how far because 
they can request that the judge go back a couple of years or more than a couple of years. It really depends on what type of class is certified and if there's a class certified. So I think it could get very expensive. But I think they do take the position to say, listen, we're going to defend this. This has no merit with the hopes of getting it dismissed early on or, or that it won't survive class certification because not enough people will come forward. Then during discovery, if damning things come out, if they have their backs up against a wall, if they're going before a jury and they think they're going to lose, that's the time when they usually come out with the the big settlements. Uh, Amy, I just want to let you know, based on the things that I get called on a weekly basis, being called too simplistic, I took no offense at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, by by the way, I don't know if you're going to get to this or not, but I mean, I've been tweeting out, I think the most inflammatory thing, I mean, obviously, systemic racism is probably the most inflammatory, but from a criminal law perspective, these allegations against Stephen Ross that he was trying to fix games, yes. um, that he was offering money, which is bribery, a federal crime that could result in prison time. It could result in a stripping of ownership rights, banning from the league. But also on a larger scale, when you think about you know the way betting has been integrated into sports and the partnerships and sponsorships where the league's actually dipping into that pot, it becomes much more complicated because now you're talking about the public interest. So it could potentially trigger a federal law enforcement investigation. Could, could Congress get involved from an antitrust standpoint? I mean, not only because of the competitive nature, but all of the billions of dollars that are gambled on these games as well. Yeah, I mean, Congress is involved. They're doing the Washington football team uh, roundtable tomorrow, a day after the Washington football team announced its new name. So they're already you know, trying to get stuff from the NFL. The NFL's already on their radar, so I wouldn't be surprised if this, if this just adds you know, more fuel to the fire that's already blazing. Amy, great stuff. We appreciate you so much. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you all. And it was what Amy said at the beginning. That was Amy Dash, Odyssey Legal Insider with Willard and Dibs. And what she said at the beginning, I think, is what everyone's wondering. And that is, who else has had stories like this? Who else has had their owner possibly bribe them? I mean, that's in itself like that. Just from a sports perspective, that's terrible. But we're getting Hugh Jackson, who came out, as we as mentioned before the interview. So I wonder what else is going to happen, because uh, I, look, I'm no legal analyst. I'm no lawyer. But I do know that within this lawsuit, it's numbers that are needed. And whenever I saw these replies on Twitter Yesterday, and you you sometimes get caught up in it. I, I do admit I'm not gonna I'm I'm not perfect, but you do get caught up in some things. And when you see reactions like, "Well, if this happened in 2019, why didn't he speak about it then?" Because of the reason why you're hesitant to speak about this sort of thing now, because it risks your career. You know, going back to the to the Me Too movement, as it's still ongoing, and when Harvey Weinstein was in the news. When you heard a lot of these women speak about their stories and their experiences, they didn't want to do it at the time because of how much power he had. And when these guys, these owners of these NFL teams, are the ones who are paying for the commissioner, Roger Goodell, to do his job, they are the ones with the power within the NFL. That's what makes this... There, there's so many levels uh, to what Brian Flores is doing, but number one is racial discrimination within the workplace. From the 415, this is interesting. If Belichick congrats Flores uh, via via snap face, this would never happen. This would have never happened. That's an interesting question because I was listen, I was trying to listen to as much as I could yesterday on this subject, and uh, Flores's lawyers were asked about that if Bill Belichick didn't send that text over. Because as you've heard, Belichick sent the text congratulating the wrong Brian. We've all done it. <laughs> Nothing with that much uh, that much of a magnitude to it. I mean, you know, one time I, you know, I was trying to text Jesse, my girlfriend, and I sent like you know these little you know, kissy face emojis, and accidentally sent it to my best friend. Now, when you do when you do that, then you you know your heart sinks a little bit. You're like, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. I can't imagine what Bill, what Belichick must have thought when he realized he texted the wrong Brian. But that lawyer. Uh, one of Brian Flores' lawyers was asked that question, and he didn't give a matter-of-fact answer. He said eventually something would have happened, but if those, t- I'm sure that text message had something to do with it. 
But alongside that, you had the interview with John Elway. You had this moment where Stephen Ross brought Brian Flores on a yacht and they invited Tom Brady and he was trying to get Tom Brady to uh, to, to join the Dolphins by bringing him to the yacht. This was back when Tom Brady was with the Patriots. And there's just so much that goes into it. And from the 574 here from Curtin Napa, nice guy, can we all agree that Trey Lance should at least be able to manage the game as efficiently as Jimmy Garoppolo did? Not looking for that one. Hang on. Where was the other one? <laughs> My bad advice for Curtin Napa. You texted two different things, one right after the other. <laughs> I just read <laughs> I read the Trey Lance one. Curtin Napa. Everyone needs to go on the Odyssey app and listen to Lorenzo Neal. I just pulled a straight anchor, man. I'm sorry. I can't get over that. I pulled a Ron Burgundy. Everyone needs to go on the Odyssey app and listen to Lorenzo Neal. <laughs> on with David and Ratto yesterday. Lowe needs to be the commissioner of the NFL. Here's a clip from Lowe on with David and Ratto talking about the lawsuit. And all we can do is continue to love and pray and hope this country can bet. But it's going to take a, it's going to take a village. It's going to take us. It's going to take you guys on radio. It's going to take men to be able to challenge one another to say, how do I, am I a part of the problem or am I a part of the solution? Am I going to sit here and just bash the whole NFL and say, oh, with Brian, it was Brian, the whole NFL is wrong. No, because there's some good men behind there, some good white men, some good black men that's seeing it, that Belichick, that's seeing what's happening, this guy's unjust. It's going to take all those men and then some to continue to fight and champion for this, but how we're going to do it? We can do it in a positive way or we can do it where we're just wrecking everything and just trying to destroy everything because this game, we're grown men playing a kid game, getting a king's ransom. The NFL's been great to so many people. But it's still got to continue to be fair, and it's got a long ways to go. From the 510, this is from Tamir in Oakland. Won't it be kind of hard to have more people come out when, there's not, when there are not that many black coaches being interviewed or even coaching now in the league? But in Tamir, I, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't even have to do it just now. I mean, for example, uh, Jim Caldwell's another guy. Jim Caldwell, who, with his four seasons with the Lions, won two of, had winning seasons in two of them. I think they, I, I think they were nine and seven, his final year there, and then they let him go. I'm sure Jim Caldwell has something to say. Guys like Hugh Jackson, there, 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 there aren't uh, there aren't that many. You have the, you're correct there, Tamir, that probably have this sort of experience. But I'm sure there are a lot who maybe haven't experienced, you know, bribes, something like that. I'm sure there aren't many like that. But I'm sure there are a lot of black coaches who are hoping to get jobs but we're not just because of what's going on within the NFL in the institutional racism in, in the NFL. So I'm sure there are, there are plenty that are going to come out. Now, we will see, as Amy Dash mentioned, this is going to take a while. This is going to take a while, but all I think we can hope for stemming from this is, look, I don't know what the timeline would be, but maybe if we're looking at this back at this in, I don't know, 2032, and we are seeing more diversity within the NFL than we know Brian Flores, the cause that he was fighting for, it was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. I just don't want to... That's what we need. What he's fighting for has changed, and I think that's what we all want to see within the NFL, not just the NFL, but sports in general. Sports in general. I mean, baseball was used as an example. There have been 14 black managers in the history of baseball, and every single one of them had to be a former player and do all these different things, had to have all these credentials so that you could finally be a manager within Major League Baseball, which wasn't the same for the white coaches who, who had to do far less. So it, this, this not only goes within the NFL, but this goes within, within other sports as well. And it's not even just American sports. It's international sports. It's all over. So, shout out to Brian Flores. We th- I think we all commend him for the bravery in putting his story out there. All right. Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, they're coming up next with the morning roast. You got me and producer John Curley. We're in until 9 o'clock. And as always, kind of tough to say this now, go sports. You're listening to KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco on Odyssey Station. Presented by DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. <laughs> 
Jim, thanks for coming. Are you kidding? I never miss one of your dinner parties. How's the new job? We're growing fast. And I stopped working weekends, thanks to how much smoother everything runs on NetSuite by Oracle. Fantastic. Uh, we're still using QuickBooks. Why haven't you upgraded to NetSuite? Oh, we're making QuickBooks work, sort of. Shh, watch your language. The kids are right there. Sorry, Amy. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. And 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control since upgrading from QuickBooks to NetSuite. Yeah, sounds like it's time for me to switch to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash radar. Head to netsuite.com slash radar for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash radar. Every Monday at 6 p.m., Lorenz O'Neill and Sean Salisbury team up to host... The Football Hour. No matter what the topic is, Lo and Sean bring the heat. So many people do want a part of the Kittle machine because it's A-diddle-diddle, Kittle down the middle. <laughs> oh, it got oh, I'm bringing it, Kittle. Oh, get ready. The Football Hour, brought to you by Screech Strider, the first two-in-one indoor plus outdoor elliptical. Visit ScreechStrider.com. We've got two words for you, Dub Nation. Game on. Chase Center is live. Your dubs are back. And this season, we're celebrating 75 years of Warriors basketball. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the excitement. All the splashes, the dishes, and the thrill of seeing your favorite team live. There's nothing quite like it. Your Warriors 2021-22 season, presented by Kaiser Permanente, is officially underway. Get your tickets today at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. How do you make the most of your land? If you ask the Wrens, who run with us on a John Deere mower, they tell you... I mow first, then I do all the trimming. But the Hubbards, who work behind the wheel of a John Deere compact tractor, would say... If it's something you want, just go after it and try it. Then there's the Mosers, who may mention from the seat of their John Deere Gator UTV... You can't be all working on play. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deere.com. Nothing runs like a deer. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents And Doug Check it out, Lemu. A roadside carnival. Step right up, folks. Test your strength. Come see the fire-breathing baby. (laughs) Let's fan out and tell people that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Look! An emu wearing sunglasses! Lemu, you're famous. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 liberty. At Lucky California, our passion for great food is rivaled only by our determination to share it with you at the lowest possible prices and making sure you can find what you need when you need it. That's what you can expect each visit. This week, T-Bone steaks are just $6.99 a pound in the Max Pack. And tender green asparagus is only $1.99 a pound in the two and a quarter pound Big Pack. Lucky California, the golden state of eating. Fremont Bank. If there's one thing we understand more than anybody, it's that it takes a local bank to really get the needs of local businesses. Fremont Bank has the flexibility and motivation to service your business loan needs like other banks can't or won't. With our full suite of business loan products and recognition as a top SBA lender in the Bay Area, Fremont Bank is the right choice for local and family-owned businesses. Fremont Bank. Learn more at FremontBank.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? We could romance the legal copy. It never gets the attention it deserves. And some lawyer worked real hard on it. So take it away, lawyer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Now that was some beautiful legal. Well done, lawyer. Well done. I need postcards printed and designed. Oh, and a targeted direct mail campaign. It's possible. At Staples. I need my presentation printed, bound, and perfect. Also possible. With Staples Print Big Promise, your small business marketing will make a big impact. And right now, get 20% off custom printed signs, banners, and posters when you spend $75 or more. 
Explore what's new at Staples, the working and learning store. Ends 226. Visit staples.com slash signage for details. You're always up for some fun with the family. So you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. You probably wouldn't leave thousands of dollars on the table at a diner. Why leave thousands on the table with your tax return? Jackson Hewitt will help make sure you don't. This year, there are thousands of dollars worth of new tax credits. Your Jackson Hewitt Tax Pro will help you track down every last one. So you get your biggest refund guaranteed. Don't leave thousands on the table this year. Discover thousands of dollars in tax credits instead. Learn more at jacksonhewitt.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.